And I want to welcome you to our service today. And this service is about our vision for the church. It's our vision weekend. As we start this new year of 2024, it's about casting God's vision for the church and what he wants. And we're going to talk about a few things in that. But one of the things that we're going to talk about is, our, of course, our seven discipleship values. I have those on the screen right now. And the first one up there is spending time with Jesus. And that's the theme for 2024 is putting Jesus first in our lives. Jesus first in everything, spending time with him. And that's why we're starting off the whole year with a week of prayer. We're going to spend time with the Lord in prayer corporately. And it's going to be a great time because when the body gets together and we pray, heaven comes down. The Lord answers those prayers and it's great. And then after that, we're going to celebrate with a baptism on Sunday. So I want to encourage you to come out for prayer week. Come out for this baptism. It would be a great time. And as we start this new year, most of us make New Year's resolutions. Anybody here make New Year's resolutions? Anybody? There's no sense in making them. We usually don't keep them, right? Right? But what we do is we look at our priorities and what matters most to each and every one of us. And then we try to make changes in our lives. The gyms will be full. The parking lots will be full, right? For at least a couple weeks. We'll also start to try eating better, eating healthier. And there's a lot more things that people do. But with the new year, it becomes very evident that the things in our life that are important to us, which ones are important and which ones are not. And what I believe happens is sometimes the demands of life, the responsibilities that we have in our day-to-day lives get us and take us away from our priorities. And they put us completely out of whack. We get out of whack of what our priorities are. How many of you have seen the movie Injustice for All? Anybody? Nobody? Well, maybe you'll recognize this line. This is a good movie, or at least this section of it is. It's about when Al Pacino is giving his closing arguments, and he's saying stuff, and the judge says, You're out of order! And what does he do? He responds back, you're out of order. This whole place is out of order. Everybody's out of order. And sometimes I think our lives can get like that, can't they? They can get out of order. We need to let our lives get back in order because when they're out of order, they cause distractions and chaos in our lives. And our God is a God of order, is he not? He's a God of order. And while the world is trying to draw us in and draw us away from God and conform to the world's standards, because that's what the world does, it wants all of our time and all of our attention and to focus on things of the world. And what we want to do is we want to focus on Jesus. We want all our focus to be on Jesus. We want to become close to him as possible. And when we focus on God and Jesus becomes the greatest priority in our life, all these other priorities that we have seem to find their proper place. They fall right into line. As Christ followers, we want to focus our priorities on our walk with Jesus. In Colossians 3, 2, it says this, 
Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We need to focus on Jesus Christ. And that's our theme for 2024, Jesus first. And as we get ready for the book of Daniel, in the first chapter, there's a verse, chapter, verse 8, which is very important as I was reading. And I wanted to share that with you. I want to look at this passage at Daniel and look at his resolve and his focus about his priority of putting God first. Focusing on things that are above. In 1 Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, and I'm reading out of the New Standard Edition, it says this, But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice of food or with the wine which he drank. Now, most of us know this account of Daniel, of not eating the food. But Daniel gives us a great example of how we should live our lives uncompromising, to God, not living by the world's standards, putting Jesus first in a culture that is all about compromise, because our culture is all about that. It wants us to conform to the world, and we're encouraged today to take control of what's going on in our minds and our hearts, and that's why we put Jesus first in our lives from now until eternity. As we focus on things that are above, our decision to put Jesus first, to make up our minds, and to firmly honor and trust God with every aspect of our lives. In the verses that we'll be studying today, we'll be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, in a few minutes, so I'll give you a chance to get there. But we're going to find some very powerful and encouraging words that are meant for us today as we live in a complex and compromising world, each and every one of us. Jesus is talking about anxiety and worry. And that was an issue then, and it's an issue for us today. Sometimes it's a crippling issue for us. Does anybody here worry? A couple people? I, I, my hand's up there. Yeah, I'm saying I'm the only one. Wow. But here's the thing. Sometimes what we try to do is we try to divide our lives into different categories, like the spiritual category and the material category. But Daniel made no such division because he made up his mind on where he was going, and Jesus has no such division as well. It's very clear. And Jesus is going to encourage us and give us hope when it comes to worry. Jesus knew that we all have concerns, but what we should do is look at what our greatest priority is, and our greatest priority is to put Jesus first in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 25. And it says this, and this is about worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? It's a great question for us, isn't it? 
Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Now, when we look at this passage, we can all pretty much confirm that the people that Jesus was talking to on the Sermon on the Mount were very poor. They were poor people, and they were constantly concerned with food and clothing. They lived from day to day, like some of us do, don't we? We live from day to day or paycheck to paycheck. But let's be real. Let's be honest. Can I say that? Let's be real. Is that still relevant today to say that? But I want to be honest with you, you know, when it comes to this passage, because for some of us, it's not really a struggle of what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear. There are people that have that, and we want to be there for them to help them. But you know, when I go to my refrigerator and my pantry, and I open my pantry and I have to move all the stuff to look behind it to go, hey, I don't have anything to eat. <laughs> That's not really a struggle, is it? Or you go into your closet and you can't decide what to wear when you have all these different things. Some people it is a struggle and some people worry about that. So they had a different meaning for what it meant to what am I going to eat? When we worry about stuff, we worry mainly because it's stuff that we want. When we want something and we don't have it, we worry. And sometimes I call it our wanters, right? Because we want this, we want that. That needs to be fixed. It needs to be adjusted because we need to prioritize our life on what we want and what we need. And what we need is Jesus Christ. And what every child of the king should want and really desire in their lives, whether they know it or not, is to be smack dab in the center of God's perfect and pleasing will. Right where he's at. Find out where God is working and join him. That could mean joining a serve team, one of our discipleship values. But there's no place better to be than in the center of God's will, experiencing God working in your life. It's amazing. And God's word teaches us to come to God in a spirit of humility and dependence on him, fully assured that he will provide everything that we need in our daily lives. It's not what we want, but what we need. And Jesus teaches this in this prayer. In Matthew 6, 11, he says this, Give us today our daily bread. And that's the word of God, which nourishes our soul. When Jesus instructed these people to pray for their daily bread, it resonated with them in their life's experience of what they were going through. But the heart of Jesus is saying that this is just as relevant today as it was back then. So I want to ask you, what are you worried about? What are you anxious about? Or what keeps you up at night? Anybody get kept up at night? Because their mind is racing. 
They're going through these things. I do all the time. But Jesus is showing us that we can become preoccupied with material things or stuff in our lives. And when people value these things, they put them before Christ. And I always heard the best way to tell what people value the most, there's two ways to look at it. You look at their calendar and look at their checkbook. And that'll tell you. Nowadays, it's your phone too, right? You can look at your phone and you can tell. But when we do this, we put stuff in front of God. These idols, our relationship in front of our relationship with God. Jesus makes it clear in the parables that we need to have the right attitude toward our wealth and our possessions. In the parable of the rich uh, fool, Jesus says this in Luke 12, 15. Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. God has a purpose for us beyond these temporary details of this life. It's all about our relationship with him for all of eternity. You know, God knows what we need, and he's declared that all things are good, and he knows what we need when we need them. In fact, in 1 Timothy 6, 17, God says this, that he had richly given all things for us to enjoy. And Jesus is commanding his listeners to take control of what's going on in their mind and their hearts, to trust God with everything, with your lives. You know, it's not wrong to possess things, but it's wrong for things to possess us. When we let those possessions come in front of our relationship with God, it's wrong. And Jesus' point is that we should not be fearful in this life. And he will clarify that. And Jesus turns to nature as an example. He says, look at the birds. And birds are in the Bible, and we know birds are sometimes small and insignificant. And sometimes we feel that way, don't we? We feel small and insignificant. And if someone's telling you that, or you're feeling that in your mind, that's the enemy. Rebuke him because remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He loves each and every one of you and we are valued by him. That's why he sent his son so that we could have a relationship with him. We all have value in his eyes. Jesus died for each and every one of us. We're blood bought by Jesus Christ to have a relationship with him for all of eternity. And Jesus asks his listeners this question, are you not more valuable than the birds? And we know the answer, yes, we are. But Jesus continues to urge his followers to trust God. And as we go farther into this packet, we'll look at what Jesus is careful to point out to us, that God will provide our needs in order for us to do his will. But sometimes... That might not include what we think we need. Because what we think we need is different than what God says we need. And that is Jesus Christ. And the fact of true life, true life is more than the earthly things that we have. In John 10.10 it says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I 
have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is showing them what a good shepherd does. As a shepherd protects his flock, he's saying to them that not only do I preserve your life, but I also provide life for you and that you have it to the full, an abundant life. And that abundant life begins with salvation, with receiving Jesus Christ, eternal life. Putting Jesus first brings truly everlasting life. And it's in a spiritual abundance for each and every one of us for all of eternity. Then Jesus says this in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. God is faithful with all of his creation. He is faithful over all of his creation. And true life for eternity, comes in Jesus Christ. And there's no need for us to be anxious and worried about things. But anxiety is a natural response, isn't it? It's a natural human response. And here Jesus points out one more thing here. He says that your fears, your worries, they're useless. They don't work. They won't help. And a lot of times we'll call it different things, right? Because it sounds better. We'll say it's my concern. I have a concern for this. Or it's a burden. Or how about this? It's my cross to bear. The result is still the same. The fact that worry in itself can't add a single hour to anyone's life. As a matter of fact, Worry and stress can get you sick and take away from your life. Because worry draws us in different directions. Worry pulls us apart and it pulls us away from trusting God. We need to trust God with every aspect of our life. The point is, is worry is ineffective and it's the result of doubting that God can be trusted. And our God can be trusted. He's faithful all the time. He is faithful to us even when we're not faithful to him. And of course, many people will say, well, you know, anxiety is not like a hat that I can put on my head and just simply take it off and be done with it. And God knows that. And that's why he reminds us so many times in Scripture about worrying. He tells us, I know this is going on. If being a born-again Christian or believer made all our fears and doubts disappear, there would be no reason for God to remind us about it in Scripture. And when we look at creation, creation is a reminder of God's provision to all of us. Now Jesus will continue to suggest that worrying, that dwelling on these things about anxiety over material things is a form of putting something in front of God. Putting things in front of Jesus. It's possible to prioritize our stuff over God. And he points to nature for this one more illustration. He says, the flowers of the field, they stand rooted in place. They don't do anything anything and they're clothed in the beauty which God made them and that's what he wanted. They're dressed in great beauty and that's exactly what God has for each and every one of us. 
He's urging us to a deeper relationship rooted in God's word and our trust in Jesus Christ. So our hearts and our minds can be at rest and at peace as we put Jesus first in our daily lives. Now Jesus is going to use some very colorful language. In verse 29, he says this. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now these Jewish listeners, they would have been very much aware of Solomon how he lived, the accounts of him. He had the best things, the finest things in the world. His kingdom flowed with gold and silver. He lived in great luxury. But Jesus is still saying this, the splendor of God's clothes, the way he's made you, the grass, that beauty surpasses even what Solomon had. And he ends with this by addressing those, you of little faith. Now, this might sound a little bit harsh, but it's important for us to remember who Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to people that he loves, people that he's seeing trying to help them get free from the burden of fear and anxiety. It's a fight for freedom. It's one of our disciplines, our values that we have. We fight for that freedom. And what we should be doing is trusting God because God will provide that peace of mind that we need. And that's a strong contrast from those who rely on material things, the wealth of the world, to provide what they need. Because people accumulate a lot of things. Because what the world tells us is, the more you have, the better you are. That's not true. The more of Jesus we have, the better we are. To accumulate all these material things to that end means nothing. Jesus says it's sheer folly. And he backs that up when he says in Matthew 6, 19, Do not lay yourself treasures on this earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Lay your treasures up in heaven because we can accumulate all this wealth, but there's nothing gained by being the richest person in the cemetery. And he says, you of little faith. And sometimes that little bit of faith that we have hinders us from doing something great in God's kingdom. Allowing God to bless us each and every day. If only we surrender and live for him, putting Jesus first and live for the riches that will last forever. And when it comes to ye of little faith, what that really means is when your faith is tested, you've kind of failed. It's kind of one of those ouch moments, isn't it? But we all do. But here's the thing. God loves us. God loves us even when we fail. He loves us always. And now Jesus brings this point home in the following verse. This is the heart of what Jesus is saying to us. And it's very relevant for us today. In verse 31, he says, So don't worry, saying, What shall I eat and what shall I drink? Or what shall we wear? 
For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Sometimes good things can become unhealthy for us because too much of a good thing can become a priority in our lives. And we put those before Jesus, and it says this, for the pagans run after these things. You know, we can worry about money, having enough saved up for retirement. And not all these things are not unimportant because they are. But they oftentimes come as a greater priority than we have in God. We put those things in front of us, prioritizing our entire life around getting stuff. Everybody has stuff, right? You know, one time I took a job at a company, and the only reason I took that job was for retirement. Only reason. They had a great retirement plan. It was like 30 years ago. I took that job. I'm like, this is going to be great. I'll be able to retire. And then as I worked that job, it was 3 to 11, right? I missed out on all the time I had with my family. I was working and putting my priorities on something that I would probably never get that retirement. In the meantime, I missed out on everything that meant something to me. My wife, my kids, my priorities were out of whack. I was out of order. But I switched that job and I put my priorities back in place. And Jesus, what he's telling his followers is not to stop working, not to start plan- stop planning or spending wisely because he wants us to do that. What believers should do is not live in fear of poverty. You know, for years we've been hearing one thing, Social Security's not going to be there when you're ready to get it. You guys ever heard that? We've been hearing that for years, Right? Well, when we base things on that, what the world has for us, there's people in here, I'm sure, that have been receiving it for years, right? But a better way to put that is thinking that our economic system can't be trusted. But our God can be trusted. He can. And if everything works well and we get to that retirement, things are going to be great. And if it doesn't, and we lose everything, remember a couple years ago there was a thing called pandemic, right? People lost their retirements. They lost their savings. And when those things happen, we feel like our life is over. But here's the thing, God will take care of us. He will take care of us if we trust in him. We're not to live careless, and we're not to be fearful. And we're also not to live for stuff. What's our priorities? Listen to what Jesus says here. He says, don't worry even about the most basic needs of life, what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. Why? Because God will provide for us. He will take care of us. He's able to. And he is faithful even when we're not because we are valued to him. And like all good fathers, he takes care of his children. We don't have to live in constant worry that God's not going to show up. 
in the moment that we need them because sometimes we want things now. I'm that instant gratification guy, you know. When I go to the store, years ago I went to Ashley's. You ever been to Ashley's, right? We were trying to buy some furniture, and they wanted me to pay all the money down, and they said, well, what we'll do is we'll get it to you in 30 days. Like, what? I want to take a lamp home or something. I mean, I want something... We want things right now when we want them. But it's not always God's timing. The thing about God's timing is he's never late. He's never early. He's always on time. When we need him, he's always there. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to serve him out of a sincere and devoted heart, putting him first. Because worrying keeps us from trusting God. And he doesn't want that for any of us. And a different outlet for our energies. Jesus now will give us that different outlet. He's saying that living in a constant and fruitless, worried life is not good for anybody. And he gives us the solution in verse 33. And it says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The call to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. To pursue God's kingdom, to trust him, to put Jesus first in our life, to take care of our needs. You know, I remember years ago, and I probably have shared this with you before, but when I told my wife, Cindy, that she wasn't first in my life, yeah, that went over really well. So yeah, you're not first. You're close second, okay? Close second. But God's first. Jesus is first in my life. And because when Jesus is first in our lives, all the rest of our relationships fall into place. They may not be perfect, but they come together, everything, because it says all these things will be given to you as well. We put Jesus first and all these other things come into place because our motives matter. And only by sincerely putting God first can we pursue his righteousness. Remember, Daniel made up his mind. And we have to make up our mind as well that we are going to trust Jesus Christ, because God values us greatly, and there's no need for us to worry. Followers of Christ should prioritize living according to God's word, the biblical principles in this, in his word, and we're to seek the kingdom of God first in his righteousness. And as we do that, as we follow him, we leave the consequences in the future up to him. Our role is to be obedient and leave the future to him. And this is from the heart, this sincerity that we have, this devoted to God lifestyle that Jesus is describing here. So I want to ask you, he says, how do we first seek the kingdom of God? Well, I'm glad you asked me that, right? Because you're asking, how do we do that? How do we seek the kingdom of God first. 
Do we have any bakers or cooks in here? Anybody like to bake or cook? Anybody? No? Got, yeah, I see Miss Paula back there. Yes. So, you know, when you bake something, there are certain ingredients that make up a recipe, right? And if you're going to bake a cake, you definitely need sugar and flour and eggs and butter, and you might need a couple other things. But you need all these things. But if you forget the butter or the sugar, it's still edible, right? You can still eat it, but it's just not as good as it's supposed to be. It's not where it should be. And there are seven ingredients for us to focus on that make the recipe for prioritizing Jesus and making him first in our lives. And we call those our seven discipleship values. These are the ingredients for us to prioritize making Jesus first in our life. You know, our vision for the year is Jesus first. And we have these wristbands, you can see it on the screen, that we're going to give to each and every one of you at the end of service as you leave. You're going to be able to put this wristband on. You're going to be able to give you something to remind you to put Jesus first in your life. You know, Jesus first in our personal lives, it means our marriages, our parenting, our careers, our relationship, our finances, our future decisions, and our politics, our priorities. And it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is because the only name that can save is Jesus Christ. And that's who we need to put first. And we're going to put him first this year and live our lives like that, putting him first. And this starts with surrendering our lives to Jesus and publicly declaring through baptism. And that's why we have a baptism next week. Because I know God's going to do some amazing things this week. So let's take a look at this recipe that we have. These seven discipleship values that make up the biblical principles for this recipe as we put Jesus first. The first one we'll look at is Mark 135, and it says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Spending time with Jesus keeps our focus on him and off of ourselves. Our actions are intentional. We choose to stay close to Jesus. And that's what next week is. Corporately, we'll come together in prayer week to communicate with God, to pray, to talk with him. So that God has our undivided attention. And each and every one of us should want to do that. We should be intentional about our relationship with him. As we take time alone to recharge, to talk to him, to read scripture, and focus on God. You know, in Luke 10, 38, I'll give you a minute to get there as we look at this. This is a pretty good scripture. I think a lot of us know it. Um, it's about the story of Martha and Mary. Um, I think some of us know this, but I'm going to read this for us real quick because I think it's very relevant to us. And it says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on the way their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha 
was distracted by all the preparations that she had made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work myself? Tell her to help me. And the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is the better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus first, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary was very intentional about her choice to sit and learn from Jesus Christ. So if you take a look at that scripture, are you a a Mary or a Martha? A Mary or a Martha? Marthas have a tendency to miss out being present because they're busy, they're doing stuff. And there's nothing wrong with being a Martha, okay? Because when we get stuff done for the Lord and we're productive and we're doing this, praise the Lord, because we need to do that. But what Jesus is saying here is that when Jesus is in the room and you have the ability to be present with him, be present with him. Be all in. There's a balance in our life because taking time to be with God should be our greatest priority. And if we're going to fulfill our lives, if I'm going to fulfill my life and the priorities that I have of being a husband and a father and a pastor and the normal demands and responsibilities of life, I need to be in tune with what God is saying in my life, which means I must make him a priority, spending time connecting with him always. And here's the thing, I believe this, that Jesus is not as much concerned what you do for him as what you do with him. And that's spending time with him, sitting at his feet. And this doesn't happen by accident. We have to be intentional, undistracted in our quiet time, reading God's word and listening to his still, small voice in a very, very noisy world. The next ingredient is this. We gather to worship. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Early church, they gathered to worship the first day of the week. They were looking for opportunities to get together to inspire others in love and good deeds, encouraging others and being encouraged by others. That's what we do when we come to church. You ever heard this statement? I don't need church. You ever heard that? I've heard that several times. People say we don't need church. We do need church. Jesus says that. Jesus taught us that. That when we come together and we worship together, when we're using our giftings and we're encouraging other believers, we gather to worship him. Yes, we need church. We need to be together because he's shaping us and he's gifting us in what God wants us to use to encourage and bless other people. 
You know, Christians have an obligation to fellowship with other Christians. It's necessary for discipleship for us to continue to grow, but it's also necessary for us to meet the needs of other people, to encourage them, to inspire them in their walk as well. The next ingredient is connecting with our community. In Acts 2.46, it says this, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You know, churches uh, will not be established in big buildings usually or in the synagogues. They're usually started in homes. Churches are started in homes. And how many of you people know a little bit about the history of Calvary Chapel Sebastian? Calvary Chapel Sebastian was started in a home group. And that home group is the Conlins home group. And it still exists today. They still meet regularly because real life takes place in our homes, in the marketplace of life. You know, we have our home group leaders, a few of them up there right now. But sometimes people don't want to lead a group because they feel like they're not experienced enough. But I can tell you, the Holy Spirit will guide you through this. He will take you through this process. You know, we just joined a home group, Cindy and I. And I, I have to say, it's probably one of the best things we ever did. Because you know what? One of the biggest reasons I joined the home group was... I just wanted to be Craig. That's it. I just wanted to go and be Craig at a home group. And we did that. And as we did that, we found out that sharing the word and sharing our lives in prayer was so amazing. And then it always led to food. (laughs) Always led to food. You can't go wrong. You don't keep this profile... I'm a little fluffy, I know that, but you don't keep that profile from not eating. And being involved in a home group was one of the best decisions we ever made. It's so amazing. There's lots of hugs and there's laughter and at times there are tears. But the blessings that we received from this, I can't even begin to explain them. The only thing I can say is thank you, Lord, for the nudge to get me to do that. And that's why home groups will continue to be a priority here in Sebastian. We will continue to bring up home groups, leaders and facilitators of those groups. You can go to our website now and look at the home groups we have and get involved with one of them. The next ingredient is fight for freedom. In Galatians 5.1, it says this, it's for the freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm Then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Do you need freedom today? Is there something that's shackled you up? A stronghold that has a hold of you? Is it unforgiveness, bitterness, or fears, insecurities, or worry? There's so many more. Sometimes we can create these patterns in our lives and we make bad choices and bad decisions and before we know it, it's hard to get out of them. We can't just stop all of a sudden. It's not easy because it's a fight. 
And when we fight, we fight God's way with God's word. It's a spiritual battle. And we have to fight God's way, not alone. And I want to challenge you in love today to fight for that freedom. Whatever stronghold has got a hold of you, whatever it is, fight for it because there's hope. So many lives have been changed and people have been set free. Our support groups, our biblical counseling, the grief share, emotional healing, and women of hope. They provide a safe outlet for people to come in and fight for that freedom with God's word. People heard it from Paul that their faith and that Jesus Christ died for them on the cross and that they could be forgiven and welcomed into the family. And when they believed, those who came to God by their faith were free. They're freed in Christ. Those who are freed in Christ are free indeed. And that is a reason to celebrate each and every one of us. The next thing is join a serve team. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, each one of you should use whatever giftings you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Jesus gave us the recipe right off the bat, right? Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And there are plenty of places within God's church for you to get connected and for you to serve. The children's ministry, guest services, security, production, worship, just to name a few. There are plenty of places for you to use the gifting that God has given you for the church. Think about bringing in one can, the one can you can that we do. How many lives have been changed just because of that one can of food that you bring in that we provide food for homeless children so they can eat on the weekends. Lives are changed by one can of food, and you have been so generous with that. I've seen so many lives in this church changed, and these stories encourage me, and I want to hear more. They inspire me. And if you have a story, I'd like you to share it with me, how God has been working in your life. I have my email address up there, or you can grab one of my cards. I'd love to hear your testimony on how God's working in your life because it will inspire me and it can inspire other people. I'm not sure what your giftings are, but I know you can use them to serve God's church. I'll help you with a volunteer application, get you set up so that you can use your giftings for God's glory and blessing other people as you serve him. Anything that we have is not off limits when it comes to serving. You know, we're all called stewards. And a steward is one who is entrusted to manage another person's property. And the point here is every good thing we have is ours only by God's grace and is intended to be used for his glory. Everything. The sixth ingredient, living on mission, Acts 1.8, that you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit's role, his work is to spread the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. 
And the disciples were to go to the ends of the earth to do that. What that really meant for them was the edges of the Roman Empire. And today, of course, we know that the gospel has reached many parts of the earth. But it has also reached farther than that. Astronaut Edgar Mitchell took a tiny Bible printed on a microfiche on the Apollo 14 mission to the moon. God's word is active and it's alive. And we want to be able to share that. We want to be able to share Jesus' love with each other. We have a class. It's called E-Start. It's our evangelism class. We have it set up for February the 25th. It's online now. If you want to learn how to evangelize the lost and share the love of Christ, to be on mission, I want to encourage you to sign up for that class. It's online. And the last thing is invest your resources. Matthew 6, 19, we talked about this. Do not store up your treasures here on earth. We don't want to store anything up here on earth. We want to use it all for God's kingdom. You know, there's a testimony of some women that are in prison right now. Um, And you know that the Melbourne campus does prison ministry. They go to the women's prison, the men's prison. And these women, through this ministry, came to know the Lord. And what these women are doing right now, these four ladies from Ocala are tithing to the church. What minimal things that they have, they are tithing and supporting God's church, his missionaries and local ministries. They are being so generous, and we are called to be generous because we have a God that's been so generous to us. He's been so generous. There are plenty of needs around here. We've talked about a few of them. We need a new playground. We need storage. We need different things. But don't store your treasures in heaven. Use your treasures for God's glory here. Use all that we have for the glory of God. Because the treasures of this earth will fade away. We'll lose them. You know, they've talked about, you know, when we hold on to our resources, our money like this, and we hold our hands nice and clenched because we don't let anything out. But when we open them and let things out, we also open them to receive. We're allowed to receive the blessings as well. But when our hands are clenched like this because we're holding on to things, we'll never be able to receive things as well. So I encourage you, store up your treasures in heaven. The true measure of life, the true riches that we have in Christ, putting Jesus first in our lives. In order to make Jesus first, And for me as well, there's going to be some things that I need to shift, some priorities that I need to change. Which of these seven values do you prioritize? As a church, we're looking at that first one, putting Jesus first. And as we do this together, when we put Jesus first, we'll watch the kingdom of God advance as it comes alive in each and every one of us And this is an invitation for us to experience God where he's working, to join in and experience that, to know him, to love him, and to be used by him like never before. Is there anything holding you back 
from putting Jesus first in your life? Do you need to leave that here today? I want to invite Rachel up. We're going to have one last song. I want to ask you, is there anything holding you back from putting Jesus first? Do you need to change your priorities? If you need someone to pray with, we'll be here after service. We'll pray with you. But sometimes what we really just need to do is do our business with God. Leave those things here. And as we get ready to worship, if there's something you need to surrender to him, to change your priorities, I want to give you that opportunity. If you just bow your heads right now. This is between you and God. If there's something that you need to leave here today, if there's an anxiety and a worry that you have, just raise your hand. If there's anything, yes, thank you. If there's something in your life that's keeping you from prioritizing Jesus first, thank you. God sees you. Just raise your hand. Yes. And if you've never received Jesus into your life, I want to give you that opportunity today. Or if you've just backslidden and you've put stuff in front of your relationship with God and you felt like I didn't need church, it wasn't an opportunity for me to go, but we all need church because we need to be around other believers. If that's you, just raise your hand. Make, yes, thank you. Make this a priority. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ for the first time as your Savior and then make Him Lord by prioritizing Him in your life, just pray this prayer with me right now. Father, thank you for your Son. I believe that He died for my sins. And now I want to change my priorities. I want to turn from the life that I've had, letting the world squeeze me into its mold. And I want to put you first. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for the love and the forgiveness that you've given me. Father, thank you. I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.